Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Uh, I'm going to share what the Lord has, has given me, a couple things that, that are going to stand out to you. And we're going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. And of course, this is the story of, of uh, Jesus and of course about his virgin birth. And a lot of this is going to be extremely familiar to most of you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We're going to stop right there. there, There's too much... There's too much to talk about here before, so that would keep us from moving on. We've got to talk about something first. And you say, well, pastor, what is there to talk about? I want you to think about this, that God sent the angel Gabriel, not just to a region, Galilee, not just to a, a town, which is Nazareth, but actually to a home in which he found Mary, who was also a virgin and who was also betrothed to Joseph, who was also a descendant of David, all according to scripture, all according to prophecy. And I want to say this before we go any further, that just like Mary, God knows exactly where you live. He knows exactly where you live. He knows exactly how to get to you, whatever circumstance you're going through. God knows your situation, and he knows how to move past the United States, move past Indiana, move past Marshall County or whatever county you're from, move into your home, move into to, to, uh, you and your situation, whatever you're going through, and do the miraculous. Everybody, God knows you. He knows all about you. He knows where you live, and he knows what you need. And by the way, he knows what he needs from you. I should say what he wants from you. He has a purpose for your life. And so God is very personal to all of us. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, God is very, very personal to us. And that's why you've heard me say it this way, that I, when, when I'm leading, um, when I talk to people about becoming a Christian or somebody will get up and say, well, Jesus is my personal savior. I, that's a phrase that I don't really like. In, in one instance, I don't like it because it says, my personal savior, as if, well, there are lots of other saviors out there, but I've just made Jesus my savior. And so I think it conveys a thought to people who don't know Christ. It conveys something that we shouldn't convey. How many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? The only way to God the Father is through Jesus Christ, right? So, so Jesus is not just my personal savior. He's the only savior. He's everybody's savior. Although, here's what I do like about it. Jesus is very personal to me. So he's, he's the only savior. He's everyone's savior, but he's also very personal to me. Like I personally know him. I personally trust in him. I personally hear from him. He, I, I'm in communion with him. I, I just love him. So very, very, he's very dear to me. He's very personal to me. And wherever you're at, God knows exactly where you live. He knows exactly what you need. You are not out of his mind. You're not out of his thoughts. 
And I want you to be encouraged by that today, especially as we talk about the miraculous. Let's move on. Verse 28, the angel went to Mary and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So here's what happens in scripture, that anytime anyone sees an angel in scripture, they are very much troubled. Did you know that? So, so let me say it this way. That every time an angel shows up in scripture and, and makes an announcement or just shows themselves, the response every time is great fear, great fear. And so if anybody around you just casually says, oh yeah, well I saw an angel last night. An angel came in my, oh, and it was so sweet. It was so beautiful. It was so tender. Can I tell you something? You, you might not, um, you, just be careful with that, all right? All right, because I'm telling you, when an angel appears, the glory of the Lord is also going to be there. And it was very, it's a very fearful thing. Now, that's why the angel says, hey, fear not. Fear, fear not. Like, don't be afraid. I got some news for you. And that's exactly what we see here. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And I'm, I'm going to break this down because this is important. She's saying, she's saying, how in the world is this ever going to happen? In fact, she's really saying this. It would take a miracle for that to take place. Like that would have to be an absolute miracle. And Gabriel, the angel, is saying, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It is going to be miraculous. It's going to be wonderful. The angel answered her, and he gives the details of this miracle. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is actually already in her sixth month. And I, I want you to underline this, in, in whether your Bible or your sermon notes, highlight it in your phone, for no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I'm going to point out a couple of things in this portion of scripture that really, really stand out to me. First of all, you need to know something that the word of the Lord never fails. Not once, certainly not twice or three times or five times or a hundred times. It never fails. The word of God stands forever. It will endure forever. So our job then as passionately devoted followers of Christ is actually to do what Mary did. And I want, you to, I want to point out something to you that she said this powerful phrase, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. What she's doing is she is coming into an, an alignment with the promises or the word of God. I say the promises of God because he says, the word of God will never 
fail. The word of God will never fail. If it is spoken, if it is promised, it is sure to be lived out, acted out, received. The word of God never fails. So our job then as believers in Christ is not to counter the word of God, but to come in alignment with the word of God. Let me ask you this way. What is there in your life that is not in alignment with the word of God? What are you allowing in your life? What are you allowing in your home? What are you allowing in your thought pattern? What are you allowing in your words? What are you allowing in your heart? That is not in alignment with the word of God. Our job as followers of Christ is actually to reject anything that would pull us out of alignment with God's word. We, we come into agreement with the, Lord, with the Lord and his word, and we apply the word of the Lord to our lives. That's how we're meant to live life. And so we pray, we should pray prayers like this. Father, let your word, let your word come alive in my life. And let your word be established in my life so much so that I would follow it, that I would live it, that I would believe it, that I would think it, that I would speak it, that I would actually act it out. I want to be in complete alignment with the word of God, knowing that the word of God will never fail, that his promises will never fail. Can I get an amen on that, somebody? That the promises of God never fail. What is out of an alignment in your life concerning the word of God? What are you believing that's actually a lie? Or let me say it a different way. What should you be believing that is true and you're just not laying hold to it? You're not laying claim to it. Because the promises of God, the Bible says, as I've taught you so many times in the past, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The word of God endures forever. It is established. The word of God will never, ever fail. So, I don't know about you, but I want to live in alignment with his word. Just like Mary, I want to be able to say, Father, may your word in my life be fulfilled. May your word and my life be fulfilled. Can I tell you something? There's some things in the word of God that certainly this culture that we're living in today, they do not agree with. But Lord, let your word be fulfilled in my life. There are lies that your friends and your coworkers and your family members are believing. But Father, let your word in my life be fulfilled. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. So this is what happened. The angel says, for no word from the Lord, from God, will ever fail. And she says, okay, may the word of the Lord be fulfilled in my life. And then this phrase that I want to hone in on today. Then the angel left her. Then the angel, other translation says, and then the angel departed. Let, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do when the angel departs? What are you going to do when the angel 
departs. Because let's think about it this way. It would have been so much easier. Hey, by the way, Mary, you're, you're, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to be housing temporarily the very son of God. He's going to be growing in your womb. You're going to be housing him. You're going to be carrying the son of God. Oh, and by the way, it's going to happen when you're a virgin. And she says, may your word be fulfilled. And then the angel departed. There had to be a part of Mary who said, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, okay. Angel, just, just a second. This would be so much easier. Could you come back? This would be so much easier if you could explain this to my mom and dad. Like, come on, that would help out a lot. Or could you come back and explain this to Joseph's parents too? Because the, you know, traditional marriage in, in with Hebrew marriages, there were two stages of marriage. There was the betrothal, that was the engagement. And in, tr- in truth, that was already a contract. And then there would be the ceremony followed by the consummation. Two, it's one marriage in two different stages. So she had to be thinking, whoa, whoa, don't, don't, don't go anywhere. I, I, need, I need more help from you. Don't go anywhere. I really need some, some help on my end because I got to talk to mom and dad. I got to talk to Joseph. In, in, in fact, not just Joseph's family, but I, I've got to talk to Joseph because Joseph, Joseph, he doesn't know whose it is, but he definitely knows whose it isn't. It is not his. Would you just be, would you be ready to talk to Joseph too? But the angel departed. The angel departed. And, and, and God pointed out something so clearly to me. I want you to write this down. That most of life is living between the miracles. I want you to think this through with me. Most of life is living between the miracles. Now, 100% participation, and I want you to be very honest. If it hasn't happened to you, don't raise your hand. But if it has happened to you, if you have actually experienced a miracle in your life or somebody very close to you, you have seen the miraculous in your life or in the life of somebody very dear to you and you'd know that it was a miracle, raise your hand really high. Okay, okay, great, great, great. And I say that, I do that for a reason. Because you need to know that every day, yes, every day is the miraculous. Every day that we're breathing a breath, can I tell you that's miraculous? That's the breath of God and it's God as creator. I get that. So I'm not talking about just the everyday miracles. I'm talking about those significant, life-altering, life-changing miracles that we have experienced and by a show of your hands you say yeah I've seen those two yeah I've experienced those two I've witnessed those two the truth of the matter is do those type of experiences happen every single day in our lives it didn't happen in the life of Mary that there were gaps now every again every day is the miraculous I don't want to take away from that every day is the miraculous but I'm talking about those bigger supernatural God showed up without a doubt type of events and Mary did not experience that every day in fact the day that she got this word from the angel and an angel think about that she don't 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 negate what what don't, don't pass by what is so incredible in the story that she's having a conversation with an angel. But then the angel departs. Well, what now? Now she's starting to live life between the miracles. And in fact, there were more miracles that happened in her life. We look at Luke chapter 2, 
Verse 16, so just, just a few more words later, we read the story of the angels and the shepherds. Remember this? The angels, an angel showed up, spoke to the shepherds. The, the shepherds were out in the field by night. An angel showed up, and then a, a host of angels, a, 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 a big chorus of angels show up. Glory to God in the highest. You know how that goes. But let's read in verse or chapter 2, verse 15. It says, when the angels had left the shepherds and gone into heaven, so the angels didn't stick with, like, let's just stop right here. Because here we have the same thing happening. The shepherds said, they could have said, hey, you know what? It would be so much easier if you would just lead the way, if you would just take us to that place. If, in fact, it would be so much easier to announce this to the entire, to the entire village that you've been here if you would just stick with us. But the angels departed. The angels departed, and the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Don't you think it would have been easier for the angels to accompany? Wouldn't that be more believable? But no, the, the shepherds went by themselves. And they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, verse 16, who was lying in a manger, just like the angel said. But the story doesn't stop there. They, they come in and they tell Mary what they've experienced, what they've seen. And now Mary's in the middle of another miracle. But then the shepherds leave and they go tell all the townspeople and everybody is standing in awe about what the shepherds are talking about. But then the shepherds come back and, and they return to worship Jesus. And the Bible says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. Can I tell you something that the miracles of God in our life in the past should be treasured in our hearts? The Bible says that we, we forget not all of the benefits of the Lord. That we forget not all of his benefits. That we remember what God has done in our lives. And that gives us more faith in the future that God's going to show up at just the right time. But the shepherds must have left at some point. Because then the story of Mary and Joseph and the story of Jesus continues as they started living life between the miracles. Now, at some point later, there was another miracle that happened. It's in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. This is about the Magi. They, they come from an area from the east, an area of, of, of Persia, and, and they come to find Jesus. They see the star, they follow the star, and the miraculous takes place. And they, they end up worshiping Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. It says this. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him and then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So at some point, the, the shepherds leave and then, and then Mary and Joseph find themselves in between the, the, the miracles, but then another miracle occurs and the Magi show up. Now, the timing of this is very unique. In fact, I wouldn't say uh, it, there's no controversy really in this, but there is a lot of discussion or debate as to when the Magi actually appeared. The vast majority of theologians believe that the Magi actually appeared somewhere between uh, the time that Jesus was 40 days old and two years old. So we don't know the exact time. We don't know actually of the exact location, but we do know 
that, that the Magi appeared and presented Jesus with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And one of the reasons we know that it wasn't at, at the stable or at, in the manger was because just a few days later, Joseph and Mary went to go dedicate Jesus to the Lord and offer a sacrifice. But the Bible records that the sacrifice that they offered was actually the, the sacrifice of people who were not wealthy, people who were probably more poor. So they offer these sacrifices on the day of Jesus' dedication. Well, would they have done that had they had gold and frankincense and myrrh? Knowing, knowing that everything that happened, knowing about the angels, knowing about the shepherds, knowing about the, the virgin uh, birth, don't you think that if they had gold and frankincense and myrrh, they would have offered a, 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 a very, um, their very best when it comes to the sacrifice of being made to the Lord. Well, they didn't. They offered actually something very, uh, very significant in that it was a smaller portion, meaning Hazard probably hadn't showed up at that point. Now, again, I, I think that I think Jesus, if you say, where do you lean? I think he was a little bit older than that. I think, I think he was somewhere again, between a year, two years old. That's my personal opinion, but don't, don't send me emails. I don't want to read about it. All right. I've done my own study. You do yours. And, and that's, that's just a non-essential. You know that, right? That's just a non-essential. And, and yet, most theologians believe 40 days and two years. Well, that, that tells me that Joseph and Mary had to do some living in between the miracles. That there, there was some life that took place in between the miracles. And we struggle with this sometimes. Why doesn't the, miracle, why doesn't the miraculous happen when we want it to happen? Why don't miracles occur when we want miracles to occur? Or when we feel that miracles need to occur? Well, God, if, if you're so smart, why isn't this miracle coming right now? Don't you see that I need it now? And sometimes it doesn't come when we say it needs to come. And I'm going to teach you a, a lesson about this. Uh, I'm going to teach you something very important for you to, to lay hold of today. In fact, write this down. That miracles always involve God's purpose, plan, and power. And there's a difference between the three. It, miracles always involve God's purpose, plan, and power. God's purpose is the why, why it needs to be done. God's plan is the when it needs to be done. And God's power is the how it's going to get done. So miracles always involve God's purpose, God's plan, and God's power. And what I've seen in ministry and in life is praying for people. We don't really struggle with the purposes of God. We don't really struggle with the power of God. What we struggle with is actually the plan of God. Because our plan isn't his plan, and his plan isn't our plan. So we, we understand the why, and we understand the how. We know that nothing is impossible with God, but we really struggle with the when. Well, if I were God, I would have already done it by now. But you're not God. And what I'm talking about, actually, the theological truth associated with this is the word Sovereignty. That God is sovereign. That there are things that God knows that are outside of our understanding. There's timing that God knows about that's outside of our understanding. After all, he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He sees all, knows all, and he knows the perfect timing of the miraculous. In fact, can I tell you something? That the Pharisees did not question God's purpose 
They were not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they did not, they did not question God's purpose and they did not question God's power. They believed in a Messiah. They believed that the Messiah would come. It wasn't God's purpose. It wasn't God's power they were questioning. It was actually God's plan that they were questioning too. I want to show you this to, to you in scripture. Because Jesus comes on the scene and they didn't believe in Jesus. They knew that there was a Messiah coming, but they're looking at Jesus saying, surely it can't be you. You're just a carpenter's son. It can't be you. I've known your family for years. It can't be you because you come out of that town. Are you kidding me? And I don't see royalty attached to you. I don't, I don't see a, a warrior spirit attached to you. So they didn't question the purpose. They didn't question God's power, but they certainly questioned God's plan. Are we much different today? Because we understand the purposes of God and we understand the power of God, but we really struggle with the plan of God. Really, God, now? Like, why aren't you doing it now? God, you're going to do it this way? I don't know why you're not doing why, why aren't you doing it this way? I don't really want it to be done that way. I, I talked with a lot of people about this. In fact, several conversations this past week who were saying, I trust God. I just don't understand. Can I tell you something? There's some things about God that you're not going to understand. God is sovereign. He is all-knowing. And our job is not necessarily to know all and understand all. I don't think we will until we get to heaven and then it'll all make sense to us. Our job is not to know all. Our, our job is to trust our all in all. That's our job. In fact, what we struggle is, is we, we struggle with our lack of control, don't we? Because we understand his purpose, we understand his power, but we don't understand the plan. And that drives us crazy. We don't like that because we don't like to be out of control. In fact, write this down, that a desire to control is actually rooted in a lack of faith. A desire to control is actually rooted in a lack of faith. That, so, so you're in need of a miracle, you're in need of provision, you're in need of healing, you're in need of deliverance, you're in need of restoration, you're in need of reconciliation with families, you're, you're in need of, a, of another job, you're in need of a better job, you're in need of a pay raise. You're, you're just, you have all of these requests, all of these needs, and you need the miraculous in your life, and all of a sudden we start questioning God. Not his purpose, not his power, but we question his plan. And then we start manipulating it, to try to control what we can control, thinking that God isn't going to do his part, that, uh, that God isn't going to show up and do what he promises to do. But remember, the word of the Lord never fails, that he's working all things out for your benefit. Isn't that what the Bible says? He works all things out for our good. And when we question that, we're questioning God's plans. And it's rooted in a lack of faith. And in fact, I, I want to give you two things that, that I, I hope, I pray, changes the way that you think about this. First of all, never overestimate your ability to control. There have been so many times that I overestimated my ability to control things. 
I just thought, well, if I do this, then this will work out. And if I try this, and if I go here, and if I, if I talk to them, and if I, it's just manipulation. If I do this, and you start playing out all those scenarios. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this, I'm going to talk to them, I'm gonna, if I, and I'm going to pray this way, and God can do this, but I'm really trying to do. And the truth of the matter is, we're overestimating our ability to control. Never do that. At the same point, this is the second one, likewise, never underestimate God's power. And you can attach to that, never underestimate God's power, his plan, and his purpose. So don't overestimate your ability to control, because there are things that are just out of your control. And you need to be so rooted in the faith that you say, Lord, one thing I know is that your word never fails, that your promises never fail. And I align myself with your word. I know you're going to be faithful. Never overestimate your ability to control, but never underestimate God's purpose, plan, and his power. In fact, I want to share this with you. That I may not, let me say it this way, I may not be able to control my circumstances, but I can control my level of surrender. I may not be able to control circumstances in my world, in my life, but I can control my surrender to God. In fact, write this down, that God will do far more through your surrender than you could ever do on your own. God will do more through your surrender than you'll ever do on your own. I'm talking about trusting the Lord for him to do the miraculous. I was thinking about this to actually follow Jesus. Let me put this in perspective. To actually follow Jesus is to surrender control. That when we come, become followers in the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we put our trust in Jesus for salvation. A lot of times we find it easier to trust God for our eternity than we do to trust God for our day-to-day life. Isn't that amazing? Well, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I don't think God is going to do the miraculous here. Well, I'm just not seeing God. How come we can trust God with our very eternity but struggle with trusting God for, for our day-to-day And I'm just learning in my life, surrender control. And that most of life happens between the miracles. And and if you're like me, and you probably are, in my life I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But in between those miracles is life. Let me say it this way. In between those miracles is trusting. In between those miracles is faith. In between those miracles is aligning myself with the word and the promises of God. You know, just in, in this church, I could, literally, I could literally talk all day. In fact, my wife and I, for, for, for a long time, my wife kept a detailed list of every miracle that, it, that it happened at New Song. Just, just miracle after miracle after miracle. And so many miracles, you would look back. If you're reading that today, you would look back and say, why am I not trusting Jesus more? After all that he has done, why am I not trusting Jesus more? You know, when my wife and I moved to to Plymouth, we really felt, obviously, the Lord calling us to start a new song. And 
we, we moved to Plymouth. We're getting all of our ducks in a row. We're going through all of the governmental red tape that you have to go through and incorporation and, and uh, you know, tax exemption and all that type of stuff. And, and in, the, in the middle of that, we, we come up and say, well, where are we going to meet? You know, we, we're, we had very, very limited funds. And, and I, I, one thing I knew is that as taxpayers, we have access to schools. We could go in and, and we could rent some space in the schools. So at that point, again, this is now almost 19 years ago. I, I met with the principal at that point, at that time, who was a Christian at Washington uh, Elementary. Now I think it's called something else, Washington Discovery or Academy or something like that, but at the corner of Oak and, and, and Lake uh, Avenue. And so we go there and I meet with him and he said, hey, you're free. You're free to use this building. Here's what we have. Here's what we can offer. And by the way, there's no charge at all. There's no cost for you whatsoever. And we were praising God. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, we, we didn't have all of the answers to everything, but at least we knew where we were going to meet at. Well, then all of a sudden I, I got a phone call because that, that principal who had given us that, that option, uh, he ended up retiring. And, and the, new, the new person that come in said, hey, we, we can't actually do that. And, well, you can meet here, but you have to hire a janitor to get here certain hours beforehand. They're going to unlock. They're going to turn on all the lights and make sure you're good to go. But then they have to stay the entire time. And then they have to stay afterwards. They're going to clean up. They're going to shut down everything and lock up the doors after you leave. So you have to hire somebody to be there all morning. And by the way, it was going to, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was costing well over $1,000 a month for us to do that. And, and I, I was so discouraged because we didn't have that in our budget. We didn't, it, it, we just thought, okay, well, that's a closed door. But we're, we were literally just uh, a few months, if not just a few weeks from starting to have church services. Like we were planning our opening day. We were getting ready for that, starting to get the word out. We'd already told our family, hey, this is where we're going to be meeting. It's going to be so great. And all of a sudden, everybody, things just change. Things just happen. And we're thinking, what are we going to do? Well, I had a conversation with somebody who's a, a dear friend of mine here in the community. And, and he told us about, he said, well, why don't you just meet where we met as a church for, for, uh, for quite a, a while? I said, where was that? He said, we met at the Knights of Columbus. Well, I'd heard about the Knights of Columbus a, long time, a lot of times, but everybody that I talked to, because I kept talking to people, what about the Knights of Columbus? What about the Knights? Well, they're Catholic. They're not going to let you, they're not going to let you meet there. You're not Catholic. So I just thought, I just listened to everybody. How many knows we shouldn't always listen to everybody else? That there's a lot of people that will just say what's in their heart, but what's in their heart is not faith. It's not, let me say, what, what's in their heart is not in alignment with the word of God or the promises of God. Come on, you got to be careful who you listen to. Well, this person told me, he said, he said you know what? We met at the, at the Knights of Columbus. And, and so that day I scheduled a meeting with a, somebody who was you know, overseeing the, that facility. And we met there at the facility. And he, I, I said, well, hey, can we? He said, absolutely you can. He said, in fact, I, he said, I thought you might want to. I, brought, I went ahead and brought a lease for you, like the lease agreement. And it was only $900 a month, very much within our, uh, our budget. And I remember just signing the lease right there. Like, okay, that, I, don't, you know, I don't have to be a rocket scientist to know the heart of God and the will of God. Like when God shut a door, he just opened another one. Well, then we, we, we got really tired of setting up and tearing down every single Sunday. We just got sick of it. Our, our help, all of, all of family members, all of the volunteers that we had serving, we just got tired because we were setting up sound systems and video projection and chairs, and we were cleaning vomit off of the, the floors from the parties that they would have at the Knights of Columbus the night before. Even the next morning, we had, we, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth, everybody, that we, there was vomit in the parking lots. There were broken uh, glass bottles everywhere that we'd clean up and 
beer spills everywhere. We'd walk in and the floor was so sticky from all of the spills that they would have the night before. And it just got old. And God just opened up the door, supernaturally opened up the door for us to meet in the, in the ugliest storefront in all of Plymouth, in, in downtown Plymouth, the corner of Water and Garrow Street. And we were so joyful to get that, that space. And then we grew. And all of a sudden, we said, we can't keep meeting here. It was only 3,000 square feet. God, what are you going to do? There, was no, there were no options. There was no place that we could go that had plenty of space, not only for meeting space, but also for parking. If we found the parking, they didn't have the meeting space. If we found the meeting space, they didn't have the parking. And all of a sudden, something opened up, and it was the second ugliest store in, in all of Plymouth, and it was where Grand Rental Station used to be, uh, right across from Oliver Ford. It was, in the, it was in the center portion of that plaza, and we, we went in there, and all of a sudden, we just kept growing and growing, and then we had another need. We're outgrowing this place. What do we do? Well, all of a sudden, Ace Hardware moves, and we get the, the, still the same ugly plaza, just the end unit of a much bigger unit, and all the time, all these stressful moments, but God always provided like it was just miracle after miracle after miracle but in between the miracles you have to determine in your heart am I going to trust God or am I not am I going to trust God or am I not am I going to align myself with the word of God or not and every time every time that we had financial needs We'd say, where's this money going to come from? We don't know how we can afford this. We don't know. We, we really sense that this is the direction of the Lord, but how is, how is this going to take place financially? How is this going to take place? Well, here's, you know, one of the first miracles that happened as far as somebody just making a financial investment in New Song happened when the church was very, very young, less than a year old. And we were relocating to the downtown storefront only 3,000 square feet. We, we, we didn't, it didn't cost much for paint and things like that. And we built a small stage area. And a, a, a couple in the church said, hey, pastor, can we, meet, uh, uh, can we meet with you for some coffee? Well, back then, the church was only like 50 people. I, I was bored out of my mind, everybody. I was like, sure, I'll be with anybody, anytime, anywhere, you know? So I meet with them for, for coffee and they, they, slide, they literally slide a $10,000 check across the table and they said, you know what? We don't know how you're going to pay for tables and chairs, so we just want to pay for that. Well, of course, I here I am a crybaby. I'm just crying. Like, I didn't know I was going to pay for it either. I was just trusting God, but look, it's a miracle, you know? And, and you know, that's happened several times. Did you know right before we started this church, there was a couple, another family in this church and we were dealing with the purchase of this land and, and getting, you know, trying to save up as much money as we could to purchase this and it was kind of iffy for a while and we were just trusting the Lord and a couple called me and said hey pastor can we meet with you and I said sure absolutely and they, they had come into some, some money in their life and they were tithing on it and they handed me a check for $50,000 and I'd never been handed a check like that before and I, I just realized like, God is so faithful and it, it makes me wonder why do I question him in between the miracles? Because he proves himself over and over and over again. He really does. And this is, what, this is the word that the Lord gave me this past week. And this is why I really switched to this moment, this sermon for today, because I really felt this was from the Lord. A word of encouragement. And I, I won't tell you specifically how this word came to me, but how many know that, that the Lord sp still speaks to us? You know that, right? If we just tune in and listen, he'll speak to us. And I really felt the word of the Lord 
for you today is this. Whether you're in sermon or watching online, you're going to make it to your next miracle. And I really believe it's a word from the Lord. I'm going to say it differently for all you Pentecostals in the room. I believe it's a prophetic word from the Lord. You're going to make it to your next miracle. You're going to make it to your next miracle. And right now, you surrender and you align yourself with the word of God. You already trust, no doubt, his purpose. As a follower of Christ, you trust his purpose. You know about his power. Nothing is impossible with God. But we struggle with his plan. And why don't we just live lives of surrender? Because God can do more through our surrender than he can do through our control. And our, our job is to say exactly what Mary said. Lord, may your word to me be fulfilled. If you're in between the miracles, I would encourage you today, grab your Bible and say, Lord, may your word to me be fulfilled. And I lay hold of it today. The miraculous, in your timing, I know it's gonna happen. Thank you in Jesus' name. And then go about your day living life between the miracles. New song, you're gonna make it to your next miracle. You're gonna, I don't know who that's for. I think there's some, some people watching right now online or here in service. That's a word from the Lord for you. I don't know who it's for, but you're going to make it to your next miracle. You're going to make it. Be encouraged this day. God is faithful to his word. The word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. Do you receive the word of the Lord this morning, yes or no? Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Would you stand up with me very quietly? And no moving around just going to ask a very simple question. Are you you someone who's waiting for a miracle? Do you find yourself right now in between the miracles? That's where life happens. In between the miracles. Are you counting on a miracle from God right now? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? First service, I, I mean dozens upon dozens of hands went up. But I, I don't mean this casually. I mean this very specifically. If you are waiting on a miracle in your life, you've been calling out to the Lord for something, and it it just, maybe you've been trying to control, maybe you're getting frustrated because you don't understand the plan of God. You're just waiting for a miracle. You're in need of a miracle. Deliverance, freedom, finances, something with your job, something in your family, something in your body, a healing. Whatever it is, raise your hand really high. Let me see who you are. All right, I want you to leave your hands up. So many hands. I want you to leave your hands up. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that all of us with our hands raised, we are making a decision today to align ourselves with your word. May your word be fulfilled in our lives. And we know that the word of the Lord will never fail. So today, Lord, we thank you in advance for the miracle that is on its way. And we thank you that we're going to make it to our next miracle. Because you are faithful. Faithful to your word and faithful to us. And your mercies are new every day. And so we end our time together by thanking you for the miracle.
Come on, new song. Let's just, let's just worship the Lord for a moment. We thank you for the miracle, Lord, that's on its way. I thank you. I give you praise. I haven't seen it yet, but I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you're loving. I know you're compassionate. I know you are a great God. You are great, your word says, and greatly to be praised. You are great. You deserve the glory. Not only for what you've done, but what you're doing and what you're going to do. You are great. And you do miracles so great. And we worship you. And today we surrender control to you. May your word be fulfilled in our lives. We lay hold of it today according to your will and according to your word. And if you believe it today and you receive it, can you give the Lord a big amen? Amen. Listen, new song. You're one step closer to your miracle. And I promise you're going to make it. You're going to make it to your next miracle. I love you so much. Be sure to invite somebody with you next week. One invitation can change a life. All right. I love you. We're here for you. If you need anything, give us a call. We love you. Have a great day, guys. Merry Christmas to you all. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.